News Power Hour. Welcome to the Biz News Power Hour, where we give you the rational perspective on business news that matters. Indeed it does, and we've got a really good program coming up for you tonight. It's the golfer's greatest tournament that's being held at the moment. We've got a South African who's sitting in sixth place, but we're going to be talking to one of the icons of South African golf, David Frost. He will be interviewed on Carrie's Corner just after 6 o'clock. Uh, he's played in the Masters 11 times. He finished fifth one year, so he knows what it's like to be in contention. He also knows what an incredible golf tournament it is. There's a lot of listeners who are going to be watching uh, into the early hours as we go forward, especially if Christian Bezadenote keeps up his challenge. So we'll find out from David just after six. He's going to talk mainly wine to Carrie, but we'll be sneaking in, won't we, Justin, a few questions about the Masters. Of course, Alec. I think on today's show we've got business at the front and party at the back. There we go. As we usually do on a Friday, it's very festive, and the shareholders in Purple Group are festive indeed today. Brilliant results coming out for the six months to the end of February. Charles Savage, the CEO, is uh, with us in the virtual studio. Charles, good to have you. And I guess you guys would be celebrating or should be celebrating these numbers. Your revenue top line, and it is an exponential company where you focus on that, of 79%. You start extrapolating that for a few years, and my goodness, the one rand seven share price is not going to be there for long. Yeah, thanks, Alec, for having me on firstly. And, you know, we are ecstatic. I mean, it's... Uh it's a good set of results. It builds on the momentum that we, you know, we showed or highlighted last year. Um, and, you know, there's still, it's the, the business is still not firing on all cylinders. You know, it's just getting started. Some of the partnerships that are driving our growth have only been around for six months. So, as you say, uh, you know, you can expect compounded growth like this over the next three, four, five years. And if we keep, you know, building out distribution opportunities like Capitec and other regions, then who knows what those numbers might be. But it feels good, and it feels like uh, it's late in the Friday, and I haven't had a drink, so we'll, uh, I might just grab one while we're talking. Well, you know when Carrie comes into the studio, she always brings a few bottles of wine and clinks a few glasses, and uh, she starts slurring, it comes 25 past 6. That's why we have to get <laughs> her off, so you'll be in good company. We've also got, uh, this being festive Friday, uh, Cooks Songkosi. Tell us about him, Justin. Cooks has been a revelation, Alec. Um, he makes videos based on based on sport, um, and and he's gone viral, especially within South Africa. The youngsters love him. He's a he's an absolute gem, and I can't wait to have him on the show. He he turns a bad day into a good one, and um, yeah, can't wait to chat to the, uh, a man born in the Eastern Cape a little bit later. When you say that uh, he turns a bad day into a good one, how so? His videos are just hilarious, Alec. You can be at work, you can have a, down, a bit of a down day, things can be stressful. And then Cooks posts a, a video, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter, and it, it immediately brightens up your day. Simple as that. And also tonight we have Chris Logan, uh, who's on the phone. Chris, uh, can you hear us loud and clear? Yes, yes. Thanks, Alec. Brilliant. And you're actually going to unpack something that we were somewhat confused about last night. Uh, we've got this stock on the JSC called Car Track, which is going to list or is listed on NASDAQ. Let's not, let me not go any further. Chris, you're going to help us through that uh, just after Justin's updated us on what's going on with the markets. But before we get to the markets, let's hear from Melanie Nathan about the news headlines 
as it happened today. In markets news, Purple Group's revenue increased by almost 80% to 100 million rand in the six months ended in February. The group realized a profit of 15 million rand and headline earnings per share increased to 85 cents per share. Bloomberg reports that delays in coronavirus vaccine shipments to Africa are expected to continue this month after India temporarily banned exports of the shots as it grapples with a second wave of infections. African countries are largely dependent on COVAX, a global initiative meant to provide equitable access to vaccines. COVAX is reliant on AstraZeneca's COVID-19 shot and leans on the Serum Institute of India to manufacture its allotments. The interruption in COVAX shipments is particularly challenging for southern African nations as cooler weather increases the risk of surges in coronavirus cases. Tanzanian leadership's new approach to COVID-19 received support from the World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The East African country's new president, Samia Suluhu Hassan, announced plans to appoint a panel of experts to advise her on how to curb the spread of the virus. The move is a complete shift from her predecessor's stance, which was initially to deny the existence of the disease and stop the publication of COVID-19 infection data soon after the pandemic broke out. The guardians of the global economy this week implored governments to act to avoid the two-speed rebound where vaccinated rich nations recover more strongly from the pandemic than poorer countries struggling with disease and debt. The International Monetary Fund says it sees the US and China as drivers for global growth. The world's largest economy, fueled by trillions of dollars in stimulus spending, is expected to surpass its pre-pandemic output next year. The IMF forecasts the fastest economic growth in four decades to take place this year. Still, emerging markets and developing economies may take until 2023 to recover their pre-pandemic output levels. And the world economy in 2024 will be about 3% smaller than anticipated before the outbreak, according to the fund. The editorial board of our partners, the Wall Street Journal, has reported that YouTube is scrapping videos which contradict the views of authorities. It's chilling that Google's YouTube, through its medical misinformation policy, appears to be systematically undermining the ability to access material in the public interest, writes the Wall Street Journal. Biz News recently had its own video taken down from the platform. It contains a critical analysis of lockdowns in the COVID-19 pandemic by Nick Hudson of Pandemics Data and Analytics, or Panda. YouTube says it doesn't allow content that explicitly disputes the efficacy of local health authorities or World Health Organization guidelines in social distancing and self-isolation. Even the most committed lockdown and mask hawk should be outraged that YouTube is banishing videos that bear directly on democratic accountability, writes the Wall Street Journal. Subscribe to Business Premium for access to the Wall Street Journal. I'm Melanie Nathan and that was your Business Flash Briefing. Well, Melanie did uh, unpack there a presentation that was made at the Business investment conference uh, last month charles savage also um, gave a presentation there and the wall street journal who are our partners we didn't ask them to do it but they of their own bat have now started attacking this philosophy of youtubes to take down videos what what was crazy about this one charles was that they had it had already had five hundred thousand views which means that it had gone massively global around the world then they decided to take it down. And we have put the video onto other channels where it's got lots of uh, traction as well. 
But you were in the audience when Nick Hudson made that presentation. Was there much there that you think was censorable? Look, I mean, firstly, if you're going to take something down at that point, you're just going to create more hype. So it's almost, you know, anti-productive. Having sat in the audience, I've got to say that I went in there with a kind of COVID mindset that was indoctrinated by what, by the news that we were getting. And, you know, Nick presented a very different picture on a very factual basis that in the, in the balance allowed me to review my own opinions on the matter and come to a different conclusion. So I don't believe anything in it required any censorship. I think it presented a factual standing of where we find ourselves. Uh, he expressed his opinions in some instances, but, you know, he was clear to say those are my opinions. But the facts stood out for me, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't get it. It really doesn't make sense. Well, we will be talking about that in due course, but today we are onto the markets, and here's Justin Rowe Roberts. The JSE All Share Index was flat at 67,200. Some of the day's highlights include the Purple Group fell 8% to 1 Rand 7 cents a share following the re- release of the company's interims. The group is still well up for the week. Patrice Mutsepe's mining arm, African Rambo Capital, lost 10 Rand to 278 Rand a share. Car track was down 7% in the morning session and happened to close 3% up. Chris Logan will be delving into what's happening with car track and Carew. British American Tobacco lost 5 Rand to 560 Rand a share. In the currency markets, the Rand is weaker against all the major currencies to 14 Rand 60 to the greenback, 20 Rand 03 to the sterling, and 17 Rand 35 to the euro. Gold is lower at $1,743 an ounce. Brent crude is trading at $63 a barrel. And the premier cryptocurrency will put you back 850,000 rand a Bitcoin. Well, Chris Logan, we got ourselves in all kinds of knots last night on car track and what was going on uh, with its NASDAQ listing. So we're all ears, Justin, aren't we? I mean, very interested. I mean, neither Shapiro nor Sean Pesh, are two of the best analysts out there, could unpack it for us. So thank you for joining us, Chris. So over to you, Mr. Logan. No, thanks a lot. Pleasure. It's a company I've been invested in for a long time. So <laughs> that's the reason why I understand the quite complicated um, factors that have occurred with the various listings. Chris, hang on, Perhaps- hang on, hang on. You've been telling us about uh, really nice investment opportunities like uh, Huleman's turnaround, certainly Tongard Hewlett. And here you sit on CarTrack, which has been one of the best performers, and we haven't heard a peep. <laughs> well, yes, you know, because it's just quietly got on with its business, growing at a phenomenal rate. And um, in many ways, it's been a misunderstood share on the JSC. You know, ownership by South Africans has declined consistently. Um, and, you know, foreign investors who've appreciated the growth potential have, have bought up most of the free float. Um, and it's eventually culminated in, you know, car track, uh, moving its primary listing to, to NASDAQ. What do they do, Chris? Um, what does CarTrack do? Um, it's tracking devices for vehicles. You know, traditionally, you know, uh, anti-theft, you know, where South Africa had a head start because of AHA theft. But now, you know, it's more tracking for fleets, software as a service. And the amazing thing, they've grown their subscriber base at a phenomenal clip, something like 21% compounded over the last five years, even with the COVID hiccup of this year. But what's probably even more amazing, notwithstanding that phenomenal growth, 
They've maintained a very high level of profitability. So their operating margin, the lowest it's dipped, is is 29.5%. So it's been highly profitable and it's it's paid very good dividends. Since listing, it's paid something like three rand of dividends, um, notwithstanding this growth. And if you think it listed at 850, you've got a big chunk of your initial subscription back in in dividends. And of course, now it's sitting at something like 55 rand and is transitioning to NASDAQ in, in quite a complicated mechanism, I must admit. All right. So that's, uh, we, we don't have to beat ourselves up for not actually knowing how it worked. Uh, so you're now going to tell us that complicated mechanism in words of one syllable. Yes. Okay. So, so we've had car track. And then 68% of the company is owned by its founder, Zach Callisto. And he owns those shares through a, a company called Carew Limited. Carew with five O's. Okay. Now, as this mechanism to, to relocate to NASDAQ, Carew has now listed on NASDAQ. It listed there on 1st of April. Okay. And it brought in some new investors at um, $28 a share, which equates to 42 rand. The 42 rand is quite important. So currently we sit with Carew being the holding company of Cartrack listed on NASDAQ and Cartrack still listed on the JSE. Now the mechanism, it's got a reinvestment option whereby Cartrack shareholders will be allowed to reinvest into Carew, being the NASDAQ-listed company. Um, and that's where the complication lies, because essentially, it's my understanding, the Reserve Bank insisted that there was a bar out of all the car track shareholders by Carew at 42 rand. So, but then Carew's given those car track shareholders the right to reinvest that 42 rand into Carew shares at $28, the same price that new investors came into Carew on NASDAQ. So it's quite complicated. There was this buyout of car track by Carew at effectively $28 or 42 rand. And then there's the reinvestment option, which will mean you'll go from owning car track shares to Carew shares at the same price the shares were issued to get going on the NASDAQ. Are you going to do that, Chris? Are you actually going to be buying uh, into without the Carew? Mm. Without doubt. Um, you know, I think it, it's a great opportunity. This this listing has been complicated. And, um, you know, from the work I've done, it's it's quite possible they could have listed at a higher price then 42 uh, or 28 dollars effectively 42 rand on nasdaq but my understanding is that nasdaq doesn't like there being different prices for different investors so i think it's a great growth story um and you know they've demonstrated this remarkable ability to grow very fast and profitably and they should be able to increase that rate of growth with the funds they've raised um, you know, and the greater coverage. Um, so, yeah, I'd be hoping that they'd up that growth rate from the sort of 21% compounded, you know, closer to 30% once 
COVID's out the way. Um, Charles, yeah. uh, your, uh, your, your clients at Easy Equities, the retail investors, more than half a million of them, as we saw from your financial results, do they like CarTrack? Are they invested in it? Yeah, they, they do. Um, they've been it's been quite a popular share of the last 12 months. A lot of questions uh, coming around this transaction, and it is complex to explain. So we'll probably, if you don't mind, clip this and, and send it to our users just to give them some good insights because this is a good explanation of what's going on. And I think the other explanation, Chris Logan, is uh, what exactly happens to the share price or the, the shareholding of CarTrack on the JSC in future, is it going to stay here? Do people, does it get delisted? Do you just then have your, your stake in Karoo with five zeros? Yes. You, car track will be delisted. So car track will become a private company. Um, so you'll do your reinvestment option. And the one factor I should have brought in, Alec, you're going to swap five, uh, 10 car track shares for one Karoo share. So if you do the maths, the, the theoretical, Prices between the two, you've got Kuru currently trading at, I think, $35. Uh, you've got to times that by the Rand dollar exchange rate and then divide by 10 because of you, you're swapping 10 shares for one, and that should give you the effective price in the JSC as, as things currently stand. But, yeah, that, that's, so there, there's, it's quite complicated. I don't know if you've got all that. <laughs> it's $35. Times the Rand dollar exchange rate divided yes. by 10. So it's three and a half times, call it 15. Uh, okay. I, I, my, my brain's not that fast on a Friday, but anyway, uh, is it in line with the 55 Rand that it's currently trading at? Yes. It is. Yes. Okay. So, so the market is not stupid and has worked this one out. Chris Logan, thanks for, for, uh, unpacking that for us. Uh, do you know how it works now, Justin? A little bit. I'll have to, as Charles said, I'll have to uh, review the audio a bit later. Or Monday morning is probably best. But if you've got, if you own the shares today, the story is you can actually flip them up into the Nasdaq shares, Chris. Without doubt, you, you've got an option till I think it's the fourteenth of April. A free option to decide whether to take the forty-two rand or flip your shares up into Karoo, the NASDAQ listed share. Okay, so you either take the money at 42 Rand, which most people aren't going to do because the share price is sitting at 55 Rand anyway, so you would rather sell it on the market at 55. Alternatively, that 55 is telling us most people actually want to go into this NASDAQ listing, and it makes a lot of sense. Okay, got it. Chris, thanks thanks very much for unpacking that all for us. Much appreciated. Chris Logan, one of the investment gurus uh, in South Africa. He was the top unit trust fund manager uh, in the 1980s and the early 90s. Uh, You might recall BOE unit trusts was the the best performing of all the unit trusts. And then Chris went off on his own, and he now runs Opportune. And my goodness, he uncovers some gems. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Another gem, and the one I keep kicking myself for not investing in. Well, I did invest a little bit, uh, but not in our portfolios yet. Uh, Charles is uh, the Purple Group. Uh, you've been you've been at it for a long time now in South Africa's equivalent of a low cost uh, way to come into the stock market. 
was there ever any time, and we'll talk about your financial results, which have just come out to the, to, in the six months to February. Was there ever any time that you, you wavered? You felt, well, you know, if we bump up the prices that we charge to uh, retail investors, to consumers by 100%, we'll still keep thousands of them and be able to make a lot of profit more quickly. You know, look, I think, Alec, the, the key was the mission statement and the purpose, which was to democratize access and not the income statement. So that was the first point. What we wanted to do was to get mass adoption of uh, investing in shares. And we realized that if we did that, then we could make a decent amount of money. Um, and we, in order to democratize anything, you have to eliminate the friction points for the entire population. So when you, when you stack up all those friction points, costs was one. But it's not the only one. I mean, we've touched on this a few times, but let's just you, go back to that fractional share access. You know, accessing a share like Nasdaq is whatever it is now, 3,000 rand a stock, and you've only got 100 rand to invest is a huge friction point. So for us, cost wasn't a big enabler. It was a friction point we needed to address, which we've dealt with. But there were lots of other things in the platform capability that we had to stay true to if we wanted to be, if we wanted to stand behind our mission statement, which was to democratize it. And I have to say that, uh, and I know that some of my shareholders are listening, but I have to say it's the first business I've ever built where I didn't worry about the income statement up front. I'm worried about what we were trying to do and why we were trying to do it and then what would enable that. And then I hoped like hell we'd make some money out of it. <laughs> and, you know, we've got there finally. Um, and you yeah, are very proud of what we achieved. Are you past the tipping point now with a set of financial results? Yeah, I mean, the tipping point came for us in COVID. It's funny, you know, unexpected event. I think with all exponential businesses, something just intervenes at some point and, you know, sets the business on fire. In our case, there was lots of positive momentum going into uh, COVID, but COVID was certainly the tipping point. And then on the back of COVID, we signed Capitech and, you know, the business has grown and got uh, significant momentum. Uh, so, yeah, we're way beyond the tipping point now. And really, it's about keeping pace with our growth and locking out more and more distribution opportunities in South Africa uh, with other partners. And then importantly, replicating what we're doing here in other markets. You know, this is not a South African problem statement. Less people in the world, everywhere in the world, own shares than those that, you know, that do, the haves and the have-nots. And for us, we think we've, we've got into a, a set of ingredients, some magic in our, in our muti that we can take to other markets and so we've got to get on with that now that the South African business is profitable and that we've locked down these rails of distribution like Capitec uh, and see if we can do it somewhere else. If you understand exponential companies, it's, it's quite a frightening thing looking into the future. And, and I kind of, I, I got this from our own business share portfolio, which has been growing at 27% a year, 28% call it. That's taken an amount of 2 million rand to 11 million rand in only six years. And, and quite often we don't understand this exponentiality because if you said to me, okay, what's the growth rate you're going to need to go from 2 million to 11 million rand? I would probably say, oh, 50, 60, 70, you know, just impossible numbers. But that's only 28%. Now we look at your income statement and you're growing at 80%. These, your revenues are up 80% year on year. That's an extraordinary story. Do you sit down and extrapolate that? Do you, are you, are you an Excel spreadsheet jockey and say, well, if we keep going at 80% a year for the next few years, this is how much we're going to be generating. And, you know, that two to 11, uh, kind of number would come up on the screen pretty quickly. 
Yeah, I tell you, we, I don't. I am a spreadsheet kind of guy, but I don't try and project where where earnings are going to be. You know, the, the fuel in our income statement is our customer base. And I say that because 60% of everyone that arrives, new business, is a result of people that are currently on the platform. So the key ingredient is that we've got to keep our customers happy. If we keep them happy, then as we grow, we grow faster because they, there are more people referring their friends and family. And, you know, 60, it's about 65% of our customers come through referral. And it's that growth that is, is fueling this 80% growth in revenue. And as long as we stay focused on delivering to our customer, then we should be able to replicate that growth into the future until we run out of customers in South Africa. And then by then, hopefully, we've got other things, other places to do it. But it is, uh, you know, one thing is the mind can't compute exponential. It's, uh, you know, no business that's exponentially ever budgeted. So we should just throw the budgets out and focus on the core business, which is, you know, what we do. Um, but the other thing is that it's uh, when we sit at the beginning of the year, it's very difficult to plan a business when you've got an environment like this, COVID, no COVID, lockdown, no lockdown. So really, it's much easier and more it's more beneficial for us to be strategically laser focused on our customer because that's a constant. We know what they want. We know how to deal with them, how to service them, what new products, what new markets. And I think that for, that served us well is to not worry about the competitive landscape, what, not worry about what COVID's producing. Just worry about what our, the pulse of our customer is and are they referring more friends or less friends and understand those dynamics. And I think if we stay, if we stay true to that, we'll continue to deliver exponential growth until we run out of growth rails. Uh, and, you know, we're a long way from that. We've only, you know, 500,000 active customers, big number in South Africa. This, in context, six years ago, there were only 280,000 retail investment accounts in South Africa. Across all stockbrokers, we've almost doubled that. Um, but the landscape, the runway for South Africa, you know, we won't, we won't get tired until we've got 50 million South Africans investing. Um, and that runway is a long, you know, it's a big one. So super excited about what the next few years have got and beyond. So how do you then make sure that they all get a good service experience? Because clearly as you get bigger, your help desks are going to get busier. Yeah, it's a, look, it's a dedication to ensuring that the friction points that are emerging in your customer service, so everything's digitized, you can see where there's a friction point, and then if that friction point can be fixed with technology, then you know, apply technology and make sure you deliver uh, the service in a better way. But if you can't, then you've got to throw humans at the problem in the short term while you fix it with technology. And you know, if, you, if I give you some kind of numbers, there are 120-odd staff in the group you know, this time last year, there were there were probably 90. So we've added 30 staff, but the company has you know, grown exponentially. And it's because the technology is looking after the service offering. And the good news for us as a digital business is that service delivery as a, is the technology that delivers service is improving all the time. So things like AI are going to provide fantastic human-like services that then allow businesses like us to scale without putting bums in seats, but rather, you know, tech on machines. Is the message getting through? And, and I say this because I'm a big fan. I, I have an account through Capitech uh, on Easy Equities, and it's the most brilliant platform that I've ever come across, uh, especially uh, given that I've been around a little while. I remember the days when you had to buy 100 shares of a particular stock. You couldn't buy anything less than 100 shares. Now I can buy 100 rands worth of shares, which is, is just completely changes the game when you are a younger person who understands that you can build wealth through shares. But my goodness, how do you even start if you've got to buy 100 or in blocks of 100? But is, 
Is that message now starting to get through to the investment community? Because we're sitting on a share price here of about five times sales. If you had a similar business listed on NASDAQ, it would be many more than five times sales. That's for sure, growing at at, uh, at 80% a year. It looks to me like the South African investors still taking a little while to understand this exponentiality and, in fact, what exists in Easy. Yeah, Alec, I agree with you completely. I mean, I think our share price reflects our past. And, you know, that's not how U.S. Uh, investors will, will uh, review a company. They, they take a view on the future. And for me, it's almost like South Africans have, you know, we're only comfortable with what we can understand and compute and see in the numbers. And, you know, we'll bet against you producing the same results next year and the year after and the year after. And I think that's, that's the, the landslide shift that needs to happen is that people need to believe in our growth story as much as we do. Um, and, you know, I'll take some criticism there. I don't spend enough time unpacking our story. It was wonderful to do it on your, at your conference again and to see what, the, what you know, how that resonated with uh, potential investors. Well, one of the guys went out and he bought 50,000 rand worth of shares in the, in the interim after hearing you. Yeah. Carrie Adams, who's next to me, of course, uh, hasn't brought her wine in today. But did you go and buy I any? Have. I have. Oh, you did. just uh, not we... in the studio. Oh, okay. Well, Charles, <laughs> it's an open invitation for you to go and clink your glasses from. I can from... see he's dying to go and He's dying to. Well, Carrie's here. So it's the naughty corner that started. <laughs> Yeah. But, but uh, sorry, Charles, I did interrupt you. When you do tell the story and when people do understand exponentiality, it becomes a different mindset. But I guess to get to that point, uh, NASPAS took, I don't know how many years, was it 20 years? And every year people were betting against NASPAS putting, getting their growth at 50, 40, 50%. And every year they were disappointed because NASPAS would be doing it and they, they continue to grow through 10 cent at that incredible level. Surely you'd think we'd wake up now and say, hang on, here's an exponential business. Just put it in the bottom drawer and you, and bet with it rather than against it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Capitex is another one I think everyone bet against forever. And every time they produce a set of results, everyone says they can't do it again. And so, you know, I, yeah, 100%, Alec. I mean, I don't know what I have to do to convince everyone. But, you know, what I say to my team is the, the, the more depressed the share price is, the more opportunity we've got to buy some more for ourselves. So, you know, it's, we're, we're telling our story. We're publishing our results. We're being open and transparent. We're doing everything we can. But really, our focus isn't on the share price. And mm. uh, our focus is on our customer base and growing the business and the incredible growth opportunities. And in fact, if you unpack our income statement for six months, you can criticize us for a lot. You know, there's parts of the business that we've, you know, we've, we've let go a little of. Um, and that's because our focus has been so heavily on easy. But you, what I think people have got to understand is we've been running this business out of a loss-making income statement. And so you have to pick your fights very carefully. I think if you, you, know, if we, if you look at the set of income statement now, you'll say we chose the right battle. Uh, we've delivered the growth in that area. That's brought us profitability. Profitability gives us some comfort to hire a few more resources and focus on a bit more. And so this, you know, for me, this is a foundation income statement from which we can accelerate growth even faster because a year from now, we were making decisions on a much smaller income statement that was loss-making, and so we had to make very much, you know, much tighter choices. So, you know, I think I think the market will uh, will get in touch with us. Um, I'm certainly taking analyst call. Pitt, uh, you know, from your show, I don't think he'd heard of us before, and, and he's engaging now and talking to me about the business, which and whether he likes or not, it doesn't matter. It's he's taking an interest. So I think the investment community are. Uh, they, they can't ignore us much longer. 
But while they do, you know, I encourage my team just to keep buying more shares and our customers who are our biggest fans. I mean, here's a wonderful story. When we started Easy Equities uh, six and a half years ago, Purple Group had 1,500 retail shareholders. I did the numbers a few uh, days ago. We've got over 26,000 retail shareholders, and together they own over 27% of the company. I don't think there's another share in this country where 27% is owned by retail. And that story is just, I promise you I'm getting goosebumps telling it, because when this exponentiality resonates with the investors, the guys are going to stand up and say, listen, we were onto it first. Or the retail, it's you and me. It's, you know, it's the man in the street who got in early and backed us right from the start. The institutions will be the latecomers. And that's such an interesting story because many people tell us, now the old timers would say, you know, when Anton Rupert came around and knocked on our doors and he said, come and put money into my business, and I turned him away, if only I'd done that. When Donald Gordon came and said, I need a thousand rand from you if, uh, 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 because I'm starting Liberty Life, if only I'd done that. Well, now you've got a similar story here with, uh, with, with Easy Equities and Purple Capital. And these numbers are good, and I'd, I'd recommend to everyone to go and have a look at especially Tito Mboweni, because Tito's talking about this hippo, and the hippo's mouth that's widening. But your hippo mouth is widening in the right reason. You've got revenues that are grown at 80%, and costs or operating expenses that grew at 38%. That's a, that's a, a lovely situation to be in. But yes, this is actually Carrie's afternoon or after six is yours, Carrie. So we're talking uh, to David Frost tonight. We are. What, so exciting. What a privilege. And of course, uh, Charles being a very keen golfer. Is Charles going to stay on the line and chat because David's going to talk to all of us. He's going to talk about the, he's going to talk a little. We're going to have to talk to him a bit about golf, Charles. Well, I think we're going to have to talk to him a little bit about wine. We're going to talk to him about Golf, mostly, I think. No, 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 no. It's Gary's corner. (laughs) Gary's corner is all about wine. David's on the line, I think. David, David, you with us? David, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Where am I? Where? Where did I find you in America? Right now, I just crossed on Alligator Alley from Naples back to Miami. Oh wow! Are you in your car? I am. Can you hear me, or shall I, I take it? No, uh, I can. Bigger? I'm just marveling at, at at technology. I'm sitting in a studio in Johannesburg, and you're in your car in Miami. It's absolutely alarming. David, thanks so much for joining us on the Biz well, News Power Hour this evening. We're so yeah. excited to talk to you. Well, it's even more frightening because I drive a Tesla car. Ooh, oh, hello. Okay. And the reception is great, and I listen to South African radio stations. Because I'm connected. Well, I hope that you listen to biz news all the time. With me in the studio, I've got Alec Hogg. Alec, say hello to David. I have said hello, and I mean, really, driving uh, a South African-made. We, we, he's not really South. He's not South African-made, but we still claim him, don't we, David? Uh, Elon. <laughs> of course, yeah. Oh, well, he was educated there, so, we, so that's part of him being South African. Yeah. Well, we've got Justin, who's our sort of number cruncher. He's also listening. We all came into the studio to talk to you tonight. And we've got Charles, oh, who's from wonderful. Easy Equities in the Purple Group, who's joined us online. So I don't know how any of this works. The boys make all of this technology <laughs> stuff work for me. David, are you are you going to watch a little bit of Augusta this weekend? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to take all day 
off work and go and watch it on TV here, but at night they show the highlights, so i rather watch the highlights and do my thing during the day. Well, now, when we're talking about taking off work, what are you working at? What are you doing in the States? Uh, well, I play, I still play on a senior tour, the Champions Tour, we call it, full-time. Mm. Mm. Um, we've had a bit of a, a break because of COVID. A few tournaments were cancelled. Um, but we start up next week in Naples, Florida. Yep. And I live... I live in uh, just north of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, mm. so I can drive to the next tournament. And then, you know, while I'm in Florida, I play I play golf at uh, at a golf course in West Palm Beach, oh. Trump International. That's where I play. So life and, is really uh, tough for you at the moment. Well, yeah, you have to you have to fine tune your golf swing. You know, it just doesn't <laughs> happen by itself. David, so Alec is my hard taskmaster. He said to me this week, Kerry, we've got. We've got the um, the golf on all weekend in Augusta, and we've got to do something with wine, but we need a golfing sort of slant to it. So I thought, whoa, how am I going to find David Frost in all the world? Anyway, I did, and thank you so much for coming to the party. We wanted to brag a bit because you are one of our top, top, top favorite um, personalities and golfers, and what. but you also make really nice <laughs> wine. Am I correct in saying that you are only selling your David Frost wine in the States at this stage of the game? No, you're wrong. Okay, good. Uh, you go to David Frost wine. You're going to have to turn oh, around the corner. Uh, there's the South African. David, you're going to have okay. to you're going to have to turn around the corner Frost and wine. stop somewhere because you you're breaking up all the time in your Tesla. I think uh, I, I will. So, can you hear me? That's better. Yeah, that's a bit better. Is that better? Okay. So, um, yeah, uh, for the local South African portfolio, it's the same as in the U.S. It's just harddoing.com where we ship over here, and it's a different shipping in South Africa. So, go to co.za for the South African um, page. And are you selling the, the you're selling the whole range, your Grand Slam range, and your Trader Joe's, I assume, is just for sale in the States, hey? No, we, we call it the golfer label in South Africa. Okay. Um, but but for Trader Joe's, that label is specifically available for their store. Um, and in South Africa, there's no store that carries it, but we sell it um, off the website. Okay. And then just for the listeners' edification, I mean, you, you didn't just add your name to a, a wine brand. Your family, I think your mum was part of the old Saxonberg farm. Her parents owned the Saxonberg farm, didn't they? Yeah, correct. So my grandfather bought it in 1932. Mm. And, uh, the, I mean, you know, the history of Saxonberg was established in 1693. Yes. And I grew up about a mile, a mile from there between Stellenbosch and Kales River. Yes. Uh, and, yeah, I grew up on a grape farm. My dad didn't make wine, but we delivered grapes to what is today Stellenbosch Hill. I know, and I love, I love the story that you used to pick grapes for pocket money, and that's how you bought your first set of golf clubs. That was it. We had to work for a living, you know. Yep. <laughs> and then you rushed off in about 94 and bought your own property in, in Paul. Is it after Peril, I think? In Paul, yes. So mm. my, brother was, my brother was more the agricultural guy in the family. Um, so he studied at Alsenburg. He studied, you know, farming and uh, 
not winemaking in particular, but he knew how to run a vineyard. Mm. And then uh, we bought a we bought a going concern, uh, particular in particular for table grapes. Yes. And then there was wine grapes on the property as well. And after a couple of years, we said, let's see what kind of wine grapes we can make. What wine can we can make from our grapes? Mm-hmm. So we delivered the wine to Bolan Keller, yeah. uh, Bolan Cellars in Paul, and uh, we made uh, a Cabernet uh, first. Um, and from there, things just evolved. I, I made a, uh, I built a wine cellar. I built the crush facility, and things just grew. Well, and the bug the the bites you, doesn't it? It sort of gets you that winemaking bug. Who's making your wine for you at yeah. the moment? Are you overseeing all the all the winemaking? No. Well, just one thing. You know how to make ten million in the wine business, eh? Start yeah. With start 20. with thirty. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I sold, I sold my winery in 2010, and I've had a couple of uh, winery producers that I worked with. Charles Back. Ah, he's uh, a good friend of ours. Oh, yeah. Charles is a great guy. Uh, he did my wines for a while, and um, now I'm working with Van Luferen. Okay. And uh, we're sourcing grapes from the Stellenbosch area, and they just uh, bottle and produce for me. Well, you can't go wrong with those four cousins, hey? They've made an absolute huge success of them. <laughs> I love those four cousins. We're going to get them on one night. In fact, maybe we should make you come at the same time. We just wanted to brag a bit because you are very modest about your golfing prowess, but you, you're just like a superstar. You've won any amount of, of uh, championships and you just continue to go on. Is that your main thing? You just want to play golf? You, you love it more than wine? No, I think, uh, you know, golf's going to end uh, sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's nice to have it's to, uh, nice to have something that I have in the wine business to fall back on, mm-hmm. and I don't want to I don't want to have the golf drop off the earth and then all of a sudden have to start the wine thing. So um, I can just sort of pick up uh, and continue on the wine, and I have some good um, businesses in place. My daughter runs my business out of Dallas, Texas. Yes, um, we, we do a direct to consumer. Uh, we can ship wine across. Oh, to about fifty states. Is that Noel? Is your daughter that your daughter Noel? Noel, mm. yes, mm. yes. So, so she's full time. She works for me, and um, you know, hopefully, well, she's fourth generation now. I'm third generation. Yeah. So that's lovely. Somebody in a Mustang lovely, passing. Lovely to have her. Uh, yeah, it's lovely to have her in the business with me. I'm sure. And then you know, I think golf's going to end uh, someday. I still have maybe. I'm going to give this year a full go. Uh, one more full go on the Champions Tour over yeah. here mm-hmm. and see yeah. how it goes. If, and, and if not, I'll just retire. And I, when I retire, I can take my PGA pension that I've built up over the last <laughs> You see, uh, you should have been speaking years. to Alec Hogg all this time. He's talking about like 80% returns and stuff. Oh, I need to speak to him for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's but, uh, for sure. She exaggerates we're very that. Fortunate, uh, we're very fortunate on the, on the PGA Tour that be the only real um, sports organization that has a, uh, a retirement package for the players. That's interesting. And if you, it really started, started, it starts when you've made 150 career cuts on the PGA. They then fully vest you in the PGA retirement plan. And then every cut you make beyond that, you get a credit that goes into your plan. Gosh, Alec, that's so, interesting. Well, well, I, I want to yeah. talk about the cuts that you made in the Masters because you played it 11 times and you managed to make the cut nine times. Yeah. And you finished fifth one year as well. 
And we've got four South Africans in it now. Carrie, we've got to find out what David thinks about David, our chances. Give us, give us a hot tip. We're going to take, we're going to place bets this weekend. Who should we bet our money on? Um, well, I mean, Augusta, it, it's really about putting, as you can see. If you look at the, um, if you watch the telecast tonight, it's very difficult to, to putt there. They kind of have a tricked-up um, golf course because what they what they do is every single green has a sub-air system in it mm-hmm. underneath. So, so if you did have a, a rainstorm that went through there, they just turn the sub-air system on, the greens stay dry, and you can play. But it also wow. kind of kind of produces if you if you'll see some inconsistency in the golf course. Mm. The fairways are slow. The fairways are slow, but the greens are hard and fast. So you can see when a ball, sometimes you can see when a ball lands. It's not a normal way in no. which the ball really lands on a green. If you look at that 12th hole, the par three, um, the camera is right above the, the green. So as the ball comes in, the ball hardly bounces. It kind of just falls and rolls. It doesn't bounce and, and spins back. You never see the ball backspin on that yeah. hole. It just kind of, it's a dead fall and, and just trickles. So look at that tonight. It's quite interesting. I'm always so busy looking at the at the beautiful azaleas and rhododendrons and things. That that is possibly the most beautiful golf course on planet Earth. I think Augusta. It's absolutely exquisite. And the young, don't you, don't you also look at the young men? You were telling me. Look at me? the young boys. Which money? Which money should we put? Which young boy should we put money on this weekend, David? Um, well, I you know the the guys have peaked a little bit this year already, like Justin Thomas mm. and. Dustin, uh, Dustin Johnson. So I was uh, thinking because of that reason, I'm not going to put my money on them. I'll, I'll, I'll go for Zander, Zander Schaffele. I think he could be due to peak. Um, and then the South African guys, they haven't really impressed, uh, except for maybe Christian Bethesda. He had a good first day and he's playing later today. Yep. Um, always a bit tougher playing late in the day because the winds come up and the greens dry out. But you know he's playing. He's been playing good golf recently, so um, he could possibly, you know, he's in good form. So he could possibly um, just shoot a. Uh, you don't want them to to be leading by the end of the day. You just want it to be in the pack, yeah. and then come Sunday afternoon with nine holes to go. Just be in there, and 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 then bring out the good stuff on the back nine on Sunday. That's. You know, that's that's uh, fantastic. And then when we do that, and one of our South Africans is sort of right up in the top, which David Frost red should we open? The cab, the Shiraz, the Pinotage? What should we do? Well, well, while I'm while I'm watching the golf in the afternoon, around about three, four, you definitely want the Sauvignon Blanc. Big time. The Colleen, the Colleen, the Colleen Sauvignon Blanc. Talk to me it's about a, the Colleen Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc. Who who is Colleen? Is she your wife? My wife, yes. Okay. And uh, and uh, so the Colleen Sauvignon Blanc I make uh, with Andrew Gunn at uh, Iona. Oh, wow. Okay. And then after you've enjoyed the Sauvignon, um, put the biltong out and, <laughs> and have a bit of the, the, red, the red blend, the par excellence red blend with the Cabernet 68, Cabernet Franc 68%. 31 Cabernet Sauvignon and about 2% Pinotage. Okay, so it's a proper Cape blend. Yes. Yep. And then uh, we're, gonna, we're probably going to do know, a braai. We're going to do a braai, and that Shiraz is always quite nice with Bourivos and stuff. I love that. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes. But give it a decant it a bit, let the wine breathe a little bit, just so that it can open up and 
instead of just pouring it out the bottle. You know, four yes. people, one pour, it's all gone. It's all yeah. gone. So <laughs> Have you got any magnums that we could buy online quickly? No. No magnums. Okay, well, that's something for next year's for next year's um, Augustus tournament. Yeah. David. You know, as I say, I'm, I'm not full-time in the wine. I, I would dearly like to be. And uh, so another year of golf and... You know, I'd love to come and do a, a wine event for you guys up there somewhere. We would love you to. And, in fact, we do conferences from time to time. I think next time I'm going to make sure that you're in South Africa when a Biz News conference is on the go, and we're going to make you come and do a guest speak for us. We're very proud of you because Any you are. Time. Will you? Any, yeah, I've, uh, I've been a proud South African for many years. You, well, indeed, you have to be, Alec. I, I think... I think you've kept us awake at these masters for many years as well, David. <laughs> but it's it's yeah. it's always a, a pleasure. It was just just to close off with, when you're in the in the hunt, as you have been a few times at the masters, how do you keep your nerves under control? <laughs> with some cabernet. Well, you just try and stick to your game plan. You know, as long as. You play a couple of practice rounds and then decide, well, this is the strategy I'm going to follow. And, you know, you stick to the strategy. You don't let those nerves enter you, enter your, enter your brain, so to speak. Uh, you, you try to repeat what you did in the practice rounds. And the more you can stick to your game plan, the, the pressure just kind of, you know, rolls, rolls off you. So, you know, Sun City was a perfect example. You know, there's a there's a style, there's a way you got to play the golf course. Stick to your game plan, and that that gets rid of all the all the pressures, really. David, for for all our young listeners listening to you out there, and I'm sure there are many, have you got any advice for youngsters who would love to do what you've done in the world of golf? How should they go about doing that? Oh, uh, you know, you got to practice hard, number one, um, and 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 you got to be determined, but. I think you need to really focus on getting your handicap down. A lot of people try and stand on the driving range and just hit a lot of golf balls. But mm-hmm. go out there and play golf, get a handicap, and work on that handicap till it comes all the way down. And you've got to make sure you stick and play on your handicap and, and try and improve all the time. And do you think that sending your kid off to the States to one of those golf academies or what have you is the next best plan? Well, yeah, so you have two choices. The... Uh, the golf academy or college golf? Um, uh, you know, I, don't, I think when you're too young, it's not. You don't need to be an ex, be a fantastic golfer at the age of 15, 16, 17. Yes. Just understand yeah. the game, love the game, because as you grow, you 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 outgrow your clubs, you outgrow your swing. So I wouldn't overdo it when I'm 15, 17, 18. Yes. Um, just learn, learn to love the game, learn to play on your handicap, learn to score, that kind of thing, and then go to college, ideally, um, and then after that, then become a pro. Um, yes. Because I think, um, as I say, you outgrow yourself. There are certain guys that are really freaks and are, that are good at 16, 17, 18, but come over here, play second, uh, second division college golf. You don't have to play first division college golf. But just just compete. 
Um, Good advice. Well, we'll certainly be raising a glass of David Frost. Anybody who's wanting some can go online. We'll put it, we'll put up your little website. Anyone can just Google <laughs> it and find it. We're going to drink David Frost's wines this weekend. Thank you so much for joining us on the Biz News Power Hour. I hope we speak to you again welcome, very, guys. very soon. And thank you all for listening in there. <laughs> Thanks, David. Cheers. Well, we do, to close off the Festive Friday show, have somebody who's making a huge name for himself, Cooks Sonkosi. I've watched some of his videos, uh, given uh, what Justin's been pointing us towards, and, and he's he's just great. Now, unbelievable, Alec. This guy turns a frown upside down. And, and Cooks, tell us, how did it all start? I know it started in the midst of lockdown, and, and you've grown into, into a big uh, social media sensation. Um, tell, us, tell us all about it. How's it, guys? First of all, thanks for having me. Yeah, really. Really. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, it just started, like you said, um, trying to find ways to entertain people uh, during lockdown. Um, you know, you sit at home and you, 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 there's not much to do. There's no sports on TV. There's, uh, there's pretty much so. I just decided, you know, what I'm going to do is just, you know, try to create uh, sporting interviews and but try to make it relatable and use real life situations um never in my wildest dream did you think oh, it would blow up the way it's blown up now um it's it's surreal how crazy it's gone but sure it's, it's been an awesome experience and kooks tell us about the preparation that goes into some of these videos i mean uh there are a lot of witty comments and i mean these videos are two three minutes and you speak at a hell of a pace so tell us about the prep what goes into in, into preparing a video like this uh first things first i gotta try to convince uh my brother or a student or whoever's lying around to, to be my cameraman and my interviewer, that's normally the hard part. So a few are going to, got to, got to, you know, bribe them with a, with a couple of cold ones or <laughs> a bit of money here and there. And then once, once, once that's sorted out, then obviously normally it's just, yeah, once the idea pops in, I try to come up with a few catchy, catchy punchlines to obviously, you know, make the video stick. And then um, from there, it's, then from there, it's basically just recording, which normally takes, Depends. It depends how good I am. Normally, it's about ten minutes, ten, ten to thirty minutes. Sometimes there's there's plenty of retakes. But yeah, normally, that's normally that's the process that goes into it. How did you get going? Where there are lots of people who who want to become famous, but how did you actually get your tipping point? We were talking earlier with Charles Savage about easy equities and getting through their tipping point. Where was yours? Looks like we lost the man, unfortunately. Charles, do you know? Have you? Do you know anything about Cooks? Have you seen any of his yeah. uh, his material? I have. I've actually. He's brilliant. And I, the two things I want him to do, which I, I'm sorry he's dropped off. The one is I want him to do a, a race review preview for a big race because you you must see his stuff, Alec, and then maybe a post race interview because I just think it'll be hilarious. And then I'd love to give him my financial statements and say, okay, tell the story, tell the story the way you would tell it. Um, and you know, wrap up the six months because uh, he's a wonderful character, and I think he's just—I don't think he's reached his tipping point, Alec. And he's just just getting started, and wonderful character, just says things in a very easy, lovable kind of way. So you know, I, I've watched him on Twitter, and I have wondered what it would be like to see him preview a race. So I think maybe we've got some big racing coming up this in the next couple of uh, months. 
So let's get him to do a preview on the Durban July. I think it could be a lot of fun. Can you hear us, Cooks? Yeah. Can you, you, can you guys Yeah, you're, bra- you're breaking up real bad, but uh, if you can just perhaps, uh, if you heard oh, what man. Charles had to say. Yeah, I did. But uh, preview in the races. Yeah. How about the Durban July? <laughs> okay. Well, we'll ask you a question and I'll give you a nice little preview. <laughs> no, Cooks, uh yeah, just keep them coming, I guess. Uh, you, you, as I was telling Alec earlier, you make um, a lot of South Africans happy when um, when things are going south. You turn you turn France upside down, and and we love your work and, and keep it going. And next time yeah. we'll we'll hopefully get a better line for you to talk to. Sorry, apologies that uh, it was breaking up so badly. Um, he, Where do we find Kooks? I, I'm standing here not knowing what Kooks does. I was going to ask him to do a quick wine auction for me. So- <laughs> <laughs> so, Carrie Cooks is on pretty much all social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter. I'm not too sure about Facebook. I'm not a regular user. Um, but I'll show you some of his videos after the show, and it'll okay, make your Friday yeah. evening. And you Brilliant. just you just uh, Google Cooks, K-O-O-K-S, Sonkosi, S-O-N-K-O-S-I, and away you go. And it's uh, everything comes up from that. And if he's if he's a uh, well, he's got a fan in Charles Savage, then you must know that he's going across all generations. <laughs> and maybe <laughs> even me, hey? If well, it he will have. Me, then wow! <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for uh, being with us this evening. Before we go, Charles, just uh, David Frost was giving us some tips. I know that you are a big horse racing guy as well. Would you have a little tickle on? Uh, Christian Besaidnot, the leading South African at the Masters? Yeah, I actually like both of uh, David Frost's tips. I'm obviously going to bias myself to the South African wiki in the top five, um, but I, I think his, the both tips that he gave uh, were strong. So I'm going to be phoning my bookmaker straight after this and getting on both of those. Who's the second guy? Xander? What's his surname? Zan, yeah, I don't know. It's just Xander. Xander Schaffler. He's, he's, he's an American. He's... Yeah, he's actually he's uh, done extremely well over the last year or so. He sort of worked his way up from the top 50 into the top 20. Just one of those regular, consistent golfers that's doing well for himself. Okay, well, this is what we had Justin here. Otherwise, we'd just be looking I for Xander. I we put all some money on Xander anyway. There we go. Xander and Christian. Yeah. There's our, there's our double. Fantastic. Justin, before we go, do you want to pick us up with the markets? The JSE All Share Index was flat at 67,200. Some of the day's highlights include the Purple Group fell 8% to 1 Rand 7 cents a share. Stop, 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 stop. Stop on that one. What happened there, Charles? Why did the Purple Group fall so far? Look, it's up 20% for the month. It was up 7% for the week. Um, it, uh, you know, and I think you've got to, as with all results, people sort of buy rumor, sell on fact. Um, I think. People need to digest the set of results. Uh, this show is unpacked a little bit more. And I think on Monday, you'll probably see some price stability and potentially we'll go take out those highs. Uh, you know, I think it's just a knee-jerk reaction to the results. And guys have made, you know, 20% in a month, so a little bit of selling activity, take some profits off the table. There were big volumes over the last, I think over the last three days, we did something like 13 or 14 million shares, which for a small cap, is it's, those are big numbers. On average, we'll trade about half a million shares. So a really good week for us. I was... Really, really sad to see the share price down. There's nothing worse than publishing results and then having a down day. But you've got to look at it in the context. You know, this time last year, 32 cents. Today, 107 cents. Not a bad result. In fact, cheers. <laughs> cheers, indeed.
Kudos, Charles. Patrice Mutsepe's mining arm, African Rambo Capital, lost 10 rand to 278 rand a share. Car track was down 7% in the morning session, but happened to close 3% up. British American Tobacco lost 5 rand to 560 rand a share. In the currency markets, the rand was weaker against all the major currencies to 14 rand 60 cents to the greenback, 20 rand 03 to the sterling, and 17 rand 35 to the euro. Gold is low at $1,743 an ounce. Brent crude is trading at $63 a barrel, and the premier cryptocurrency will put you back 850,000 rand. Well, Carrie, we've got to get you here every day, the way you're bringing in these heavy hitters. Last week, Wendy Applebaum. This week, David Frost. God, wow, next week, yeah. what is, your, is that your little black book that this you've got there? my red book. Oh, your little red if book. If you get into my red book, you know you're going to get phoned. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carrie is here with us every Friday for Festa Friday, the, the naughty corner. Naughty corner. I wanted to ask Charles, I've been busy buying Avenge shares like crazy this week. Should I be buying Avenge? They're three cents. You shouldn't be buying anything that's three cents, frankly, unless it's a chappies. But, but if uh, it goes yeah, up to five cents or six cents, I've doubled my money. You know, and you could buy really good stocks for a rand, and if they go to two rand, you've also doubled your money. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, there's something on the go with Avenge, the though, isn't there? There's something on the yeah, go. Be what, what I love is that you're that you're buying it, and you're going to love. We're launching a swag store, and I'm going to send you a t-shirt because we've made an Avengers t-shirt. T-shirt. So good. you're getting one on the. <laughs> and I buy my Avenge. I buy my Avenge on Easy Equities, Charles. Oh, you are a legend. Yeah. And, and her T-shirt. You know what I'm drinking? What? You know what I'm drinking? What Thanks the? to you. Clove Street, Shannon Blanc. Good man. Charles, <laughs> on her T-shirt, you have to put Purdy on the back. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. I think that went right over his head. Yeah. Purdy. Definitely, I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, it was the new Avengers, wasn't it? Where Purdy was the. Well, she was gorgeous, Joanna Lumley. I should be so lucky that I looked like Joanna. Lumley. Wow. But, but thanks for being with us. Our good friends at Fine Music Radio are going to be taking you through with great music uh, the whole weekend. I'm sure tonight you'll have an opportunity to watch those two Xander. Schaffler. Schaffler and uh, Christian. Who's a South African uh, um, on the on the masters? They play until Sunday night. You can arrive at work on Monday morning a little bit tired. Uh, it's it's always you're allowed to do that every year at this time because our South Africans have had such a fantastic record in this greatest golf tournament in the world. Thank you for being with us on the Business Power Hour throughout the week. We'll be back again on Monday from five thirty to six thirty. Until then, from the team here at BizNews, cheerio. You've been listening to the Power Hour, brought to you by the team at BizNews.